This episode of Poetic Properties Podcast is brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, we have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex, the poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. I hope you guys had you a good week. Um, For me, it was an 80-20 split of uh, happiness to to annoyance and kind of mental struggle. Um, The 20% was the surgery for my arm is finally scheduled. Um, And even though it's a small surgery... I can't stand hospitals Um, more like I have a phobia of them because I've been in and out of hospitals, you know, literally my entire life. I spent some time, you know, from birth to, you know, a toddler, like a significant amount of time in a hospital. And then those issues kind of been going on for um, my, my entire lifespan thus far. It's very rare that I'm able to get to the to the hospital or have to go get seen for something. And it's an easy situation. Um, so that has created a, a phobia for me um, of having to go to the to the doctor or hospital. That's why, like for me, like I'm having more issues now because it's like I'm getting older. I feel a little bit different and I have to kind of face that phobia to get the care that is necessary for me. I know that, you know, 38 isn't like old, um, isn't old or near close to being old. But for me, my body has been through so much that, you know, I feel a little bit older than, than what I am. So it's important, you know, for me to, I guess, keep this stuff under control. Um, but still, even with that, it like, it's just so scary for me going inside of the hospital, whether it's a large surgery, a minor surgery, you know, whether it's common or uncommon. It's just for me, it 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 creates a very, very high level of stress. Um, and fear. But I mean, I'm here, you know, I've made it through everything thus far. Um you know, with some, I, I made it through everything thus far. You know, so um, uh, I, I have faith that this will be no different. But it doesn't stop the anxiety and mental stress of just having to endure it. Um, so that was the twenty percent. I'm just trying to get everybody prepared because it's on my dominant arm, uh, my left. So. I won't be able to lift anything. I won't be able to really be active um, for 11 weeks. And then even after that, it's a significant amount of time um, from what from what was said to me by the doctor, that it's a significant amount of time to even get back to 85 percent usage um, or not usage of just capability of what I could do. So that's stress in itself. Um, Knowing that, like knowing that it's a possibility that um, 
my arm won't get back to 100 percent. And again, it's something small. Um, so I'm going to be on the side of I will definitely get back to 100 percent usage of my arm. It's a common it's a common surgery before I even before I was an adult. I knew what it I, I knew what this was um, because I've I played sports and stuff and I heard it, you know, uh, tennis, elbow or whatever. But going through it is different. Hearing hearing about something like this and going through it is different. But again, I'm in faith, even though it, it created some it created some stress because I'm very active with my kids. Um, I'm very active when it comes to me cooking. I'm very active just in general. Um, and then knowing that I can't, like, if my god babies come over and stuff, like, I can't pick them up and stuff. It's just, it's just stress. It's just, it's just stress. And I, that threw me off a little bit. But I know I'll be okay. I know, I know it doesn't sound like I know, but like, I, I guess I'm trying to pump myself up because it's a, it's a serious phobia that I have. But, the 80% of the good week that I had work went by smooth. Um, other than the typical work annoyances, it's, it's life. Um, but my God babies came over and it was hard at first because they hadn't seen me in a minute. So uh, my middle, my middle God baby, she was just crying. She was just crying. And like it, it hurt so bad. But as we started to drive off and I start talking to her, she started laughing and stuff. So it was like she kind of was getting back used to me. But by the time we got to the house, like it took them maybe it took them maybe like five to ten minutes. And then they start turning up. And it was the it was one of the most refreshing feelings that I had in a long while because I hadn't seen them in a couple months. So um, after being used to them every day for five to six months, I just I hadn't seen them. So um, that just brightened up that brightened up my spirits. Uh, it made me feel 100 percent, you know, better just seeing the boys be so excited that they were here because they had been asking about them and it hurts as a as a as a parent you know when kids don't understand adult situations that involve them and if you know me I've said this a million times and people personally are people who know me like directly they know that I don't make no moves and I don't like anything that alters my kids like we have a round table about it and so it doesn't matter what it is. I like I've always been this way since they've been able to understand me. Um, I don't move and do things. I don't necessarily say without their consent, but if it looks like it's going to be uncomfortable for them, I won't do it. That's just how that's how I move. I respect my kids enough to not just alter things in their life without like on the fly, like unless it's an emergency, me and my kids, we talk about everything because it, it just I refuse to raise them. The uh, kids stay in a kid's place and, you know, it's a they get limited knowledge that way. And for me, no, I don't tell them 100 percent of everything, but anything that involves them moving, going, coming, 
um, schools, uh, even with my relationships. Like, if they're not cool, then then I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to, uh, for me, it's a no-go because I want to make sure that my kids are comfortable. Um, so seeing them actually excited again, seeing them, like, just 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 be elated to see their their uh their sisters they don't even call them their god sisters they call them their sisters especially the fact that um we don't get to see my eldest daughter and we lost my youngest daughter so seeing them to to being able to enjoy that time and get that that fulfillment that they missed with their biological sisters it was just an amazing it was amazing an amazing feeling um and just it, it it almost brought tears to my eyes because of their frustration of not seeing their sisters so this week was good it was an emotional week but it was a it was it was good i can't i have no have no complaints um as usual, if you guys did not have a good week, I'm in faith that this week coming will be a better week for you. I'm always here to have a conversation if needed. I always tell you my DMs are open. Twitter, uh, Poetic Z, Poetic Properties, um, and on IG, Poetic Property Podcast. You can comment on any of the platforms, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Um, I check them, you know, just to see what's going on. So if you want to talk or if you need somebody just to, to listen, hit me up in the DMs. Um, so with that, it's, it's, it's so, how can I say this? And I got I got notes so you know so that I could I could stay on point of what I wanted to um what I wanted to touch on. So let me see. Like the universe sometimes lines up perfectly um with the thing that you are trying to accomplish. And I was supposed to record this pod on Friday, but my niece asked me to keep the girls longer than than expected, like the day, uh, the time of day. Like normally I'll drop them off kind of like midday, but she asked me to bring them in the evening. So I brought them in the evening, which for me, like it's like. Driving an hour there and an hour back, I was like, "I'm not about to pod." <laughs> Sorry. So I came home after dropping him off. I was like sad. I um, I kind of didn't want to do anything. So I'm in my group chat and my guy DW. He was like, hey, y'all, if y'all haven't seen this podcast, or not pod, if y'all haven't seen this this docu-series, it's a much watch. It, it, it's a must watch. So I'm like, I love, it's a, it was called, it's called High on the Hog. And I love food. I watch all the, I watch a bunch of, of food and traveling, and traveling shows. But this particular docu-series, 
was amazing. And it touched me in a way that I don't think any other any other uh, uh, educational type documentary has ever done. Uh, maybe because it's the time of my life, maybe because, you know, I love cooking, um, maybe because it's so it's, it's so many things that 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 could be the reason. Um, and I want to get the title right. It's hot. It's 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 high on the hog. How African-American cuisine transformed America. And if you haven't seen it, I think you should. And I, I don't be promoting stuff like that. Like, I don't get paid for it. But that was something that is a, a necessary watch, especially if you are uh, African-American. It's, it's a very important piece. Um, watching that, I get an understanding of who I am through my ancestors. Um it gives me an understanding of unconditional love and, and unconditional behaviors because my people have been through so much and I'm not a historian and I'm not going to to try to be a historian right now. It's just so many things that I saw in that four to five hours that resonated with me because these are things and these are feelings that I have. These are thoughts. These are these are memories that I have not ancestral, but in my life growing up. I remember, you know, the the elders, you know, my Nana and my uncles, my aunties, they always cooked. They always cooked for the holidays. You know, us as kids, um, we just ate. We came, we run around, we talked to our cousins, we talked to our, our aunts, uncles, our nana, stuff like that. And, you know, we swam and did all those things. And I remember one year my nana said, all right, y'all old enough. Like, y'all need to cook. And so at first it was like, huh? Like, what, what do you mean? But we, we've watched our parents cook. We watched, you know, at barbecues. Uh, at family barbecues and stuff like that. We used to have family day, go camping and stuff like that. So we watched them cook all our life. And it didn't dawn on me until I watched this high on a hog, like the love that my family have of cooking and the, the transition of, okay, you guys have learned enough. It's time for you you all to cook. My nana didn't ask if anybody knows how to cook. She said, "Y'all old enough," <laughs> and so we had to start bringing dishes. Um, it was no lo- we was no longer kids, you know. And that's an honor for that's an honor for us. You know what I mean? Because now we are respected as adults. Because all right, no, y'all cook. Y'all got it. Y'all all got kids and stuff. Like it's y'all turn and and being in that 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 transitional period um, of having your your grand your grandmother and your older uncles and aunts, and then it's you and your cousins. But y'all got kids, so being in that, it's it's a love that you have to show your elders. I was watching, right? So you're feeding your elders from what they taught you. 
but you're feeding your kids how you are how you are teaching them. And so it it's it's an unconditional like food is just an unconditional thing. And that that uh docu series it just really touched me and like I, I I want my kids to rewatch it. I'm gonna rewatch it again because I know I missed some things, but it just felt good seeing where this food came from. It felt good knowing that uh, these are things we can pass down to our kids. Like just just hearing some of the people's story of, well, how did you learn how to do this? Like, oh, I was just watching, and then one day, you know, it was my turn, and. It makes me think about all the things that get passed down generation to generation. And a lot of it is unspoken, right? You just got to you, you, you have to pay attention. You got to look at the hurts of your uh, of your elders. You got to look at the pain. You got to look at the struggle. But you also got to look at the happiness. You got to look at the, the achievements and stuff. Because they come from an era where they're not so much teaching in a way that we we do. It's one of those, you saw me do it, now you do it. And I don't fault them because, again, they're coming from, they're coming from people who probably or maybe too maybe two generations from slavery. Let me see. One, two, probably two or three generations from slavery. So that direct, harsh, uh, uh, borderline abusive teaching is what they know. As a, as a child, you look at it like, dang, like, why are you so hard on me? Now I'm in the position like, I get it. That's what you were taught. But what about the things that we what about the things that we saw and no words came behind it? You see what I'm saying? That's how I started to have unconditional emotions. As I'm remembering stories, as I'm remembering visits with my Nana, as I'm remembering times with my aunties, as I'm remembering times with my uncles, um, the family camping trips, the family pool parties, and just remembering stuff, right? It's so many lessons of that. And it's so many uh, vines of, of peace and chaos and anger. And you have to move unconditionally through it or else you're going to be, you're, you're, you're not going to be any good. I say all the time I come from a place of understanding. I say all the time that it's important for it's, it's important for the people that I deal with to have understanding. For me, my understanding, uh, like once I once I have imprinted my love on you, it's unconditional. It's unconditional. Again, I always say this: as long as you don't you don't like purposely disrespect me and something that I'm going through or try to kill me or or or, or try to uh, harm my kids, everything is a conversation. 
everything is uh, it, it can be it can be handled if we have the conversation. But if you're not willing to have a conversation, then I can't I can't deal with you. And it's nothing. It's still not it, it, it's not something that I'm going to get over. But it's something that needs to have a conversation. If you ever need something, I'm, I am who I am. But as an adult, I started to learn, like I just thinking back and then what like that, that high on the hall, like it triggers so many things, uh, so many things mentally more than just food, more than just, you know, how do you make this type of like, how do you make this dish? Where did this dish come from? It created so much chaos in my mind. But at the end of it, when I when I finally sat down and kind of processed through the chaos, I was like, man. These unconditional emotions came through the trials and tribulation of my people. And by my people, again, I'm talking about my direct uncles, aunties, uh, parents, grandparents or grandmothers. I don't I have no idea. Like, like I've never met any, any of my grandfathers. I realized that. And I, I say this all the time, and I say uh, without pain, there is no perfection. And that came from. My struggles of feeling like I'm in the uh, uh, I'm in the dungeon, feeling like everything is against me and then getting out. The moment you get out yesterday didn't matter. It didn't matter how long it didn't matter if the struggle or the tribulation lasted a year. The day that you the day that you get out, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. No matter the darkness, get to the light without pain. There is no perfection, patience, purpose. These are things that I say often. These are phrases that I use often because I'm telling you from example, because the journey that I went through to these unconditional emotions. It's important. That we pay attention to our elders not only to learn what to do, but to study them so you can understand what not to do. I've been a I've been an observer my entire life. But I never put the, the I, I never really cared about those observations unless it was drama because you grow up and in the time that I grew up you had to be prepared for drama you had to be prepared for shootings you had to be prepared for stuff like that you had to watch your back so because you are living in that time and because you you know that space and time you're not looking for positive in any situation you're looking and trying to make sure you get home 
And so when I watched that show, it really made me feel like like it was almost like being plugged into a matrix. And so many things flashed before my eyes of just watching my Nana do something or being at my granny house and hearing her talk or um, listening to my even my older brothers, listen to them talk about certain things because my eldest brother is three years is three years older than me. My next brother is two years older than me. And. They have years worth of memories that I don't. So even listening to them with the things that they remember. It's like, dang, that's crazy. I never looked at it like that. I never paid attention to those stories like that. Because in my mind, your three years is not three years is not a lot. But as you get older and you start and you start having your own kids and you see the transition from kid to kid, it's like, oh, wow. It surprises me what my oldest knows versus what my youngest knows and vice versa. It surprises me, but now I understand it's it, it it's it's these unspoken things that we just watch. I look back like I don't know how I know how to play football. I just know my brother played football and whatever position he played, I'm playing. That's how I started. I don't then I was like, oh wait, I'm I'm pretty decent at this. But it took me to look at him and see what he was doing so then I could do it. And it's just a circle. It's just a circle of life. So unconditional emotions are necessary because people are going to come. People are going to hurt you. People are going to do you wrong. People are going to talk bad about you with the old folks. They're going to backbite on you or whatever. They're going to do all these things. You can't let that alter you. It took me a while to get there. It took me a while to get to this unconditional thing because I don't know the history of what you went through to get there. So my mind tells me you're just mean. You're just you're, you're just disrespectful. And I'm not excusing anybody's behavior, but it takes unconditional love to get to the understanding that's necessary for you to deal with people. If all your life you was abused, you're going to pass down abuse. You're going you're gonna, to uh, hide it behind, I'm going to do that so when they get older in the streets, they know what's up. But that's what happened to them. Why? Because they're so close to the generation of slavery. We all know you do wrong, you get whipped. Period. There's no conversation. Right? We all know that. Now trickle down to four generations later. What? We can't we can have a conversation, but it takes unconditional emotions to get to that point. It take it it it, it, it takes a, a, a level of understanding for you to for you to be able to have those conversations with your kids, be able to, you know, not result into violence immediately. Again, I'm talking to you from a place of experience. 
for a long time, my response was, let's fight then. It didn't matter what it was, any type of aggression, any type of miscommunication, you know, okay, let's fight then. Because if we're not going to fight, quit talking to me. Because again, you're raised in a, in a, in your environment dictates how you respond to things. I'm not known for, you know, knocking people out. I am known for I'm going to bust your head if we have if it has to go there. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to finish the fight, win or lose. That's just what it is. I'm not a brawler or anything like that. But you have to survive, right? I learned how to calm myself down. I learned how to remove myself from situations. It took a level of unconditional emotions to be able to do that because your ego says you're a punk. Your ego says you're not going to disrespect me. Your ego, your ego says they're going to look at me away. But when you have a level of understanding and you have respect for your own life, you remove yourself from certain situations. It doesn't matter who it doesn't matter who. Does what? It doesn't matter who said it doesn't matter what it is. You it could be a person that you 100 percent know that you'll demolish. But even knowing that, it's like I gotta walk away. I don't wanna I don't wanna hurt nobody. I don't care what race, what color, what gender, I don't wanna hurt anybody. I will always defend myself, but even in that, I'm very cognizant, like I am about to knock your head off your shoulders. It's not worth it for me. I'm too old. I'm at a. I am. I am definitely at an age to where charges could be pressed, and it's. I don't care who starts it. Like, just leave me alone. Now, if you follow me after I remove myself from a situation, whole different, whole different attitude. But I'm saying my initial thing because I have unconditional emotions. I'm not going to let you alter me. Unconditional love is real, but it's going to hurt. I'm telling you, it's going to hurt so bad because of the steps you have to take to get there. It takes you to strip down the things that you were taught from people who you feel had your best interests. It takes for you to be accountable. It takes for you to apologize um, to yourself. It takes for you to believe in who it takes so many things for you to get to the to to the unconditional part of your emotions. There's multiple people that you can call that will be like. Kev does not play when it comes to. Who he loves. It doesn't matter as long as you have not tried to kill me or my kids. I always come through. If people knew the type of things that I come through for, they would judge. But I don't care because it's unconditional. And you don't have to give me nothing in return. You don't have to 
pay me back. You don't have to give me time. If you need me and I've told you that I loved you, I'm not going to question it. But it took for me to strip down my ego. It took for me to hold myself accountable. I'm very big on accountability. I hold myself accountable before anybody. I know where I did wrong. I keep saying like for the past, you know, five, six years, seven years, like I've really been on this journey of just discovering myself and how I want to maneuver through life. And my mantra is peace over everything. So that means I'm not arguing with you. That means that I'm not. I'm not accepting your arguments, nor am I starting an argument. If you do me wrong, that's on you. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because I love you or I like you or you're my folks because I said that for me. So whatever you do on your end is how you do it on your end. I'm not going to allow you to keep doing it for me, but I still love you. I'm not going to allow you to keep harming me, but I, I still love you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you if you've done something to me yesterday. If you need me today, more than likely, I'm going to come through. And then I'm going to remove myself again. I know that sounds dumb. I know it does. But for me, that's how I keep my peace. I keep my peace by keeping my word. When I tell you I love you, I mean it. When I tell you you're my guy, when I tell you you're my girl, I mean it. So if you ever need something and I got it, I'm going to give it to you. And again, as I'm sitting here talking about it and, and we're talking and, and we're talking about unconditional love, I learned this form of a, uh, a form of. An, I've learned my first layer of unconditional love from my brother, Doug. I remember following him around like all the time, everywhere. Didn't matter. Like I would, he, his name is Duck. I was little Duck forever, right? Um, he went off to college. He went off to college, and it tore me up because I felt like he was like leaving me. Like, like how are you leaving me in in this area like by myself? I think my, my eldest brother had already moved to Atlanta. Um, that was already devastating in itself. And so I'm like, dang, both my brothers are gone. They're gone in, in, in a space that like I never thought I never thought we would ever be apart. It doesn't matter what we've ever been through. I've never in my life thought that me and my two oldest brothers would not be living, um, not necessarily next door to each other, but at least in the same city. I never I never in my lifetime thought that 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 would happen. So anyways, my brother went off to college and I cried like a baby. Cry, cry, cry. And he said, bro, stop crying and get a ticket. That's something that I always remember. Why are you creating this mental chaos? There is a solution for it. If you want to see me either wait till I come home on break or buy a ticket but what are you crying for this was 
this was easily 15, 16 years ago. And I remember it like yesterday. Right. I'm only bringing this up to 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 give you the lesson that I learned. My brother came home. And he would literally take the clothes off his back. And give them to me. Not because I was poor, not because not because I didn't have anything, but my brother loves me so much that he's willing to literally take the clothes off his back because I like them and give them to me. I started from that moment on. I'm thinking like, dang, he's been like this since we've been kids. If he get money, I got money. If I'm with him and he get food, I got food. If I see if I drive past and see him, because, of course, he's two years older than me. So I have my friends. He have his friends. If he see my friends going to do stuff. Peanuts, you got some money now, nah, bro. All right. Come here real quick. And he gave me money. It, I, I never had to ask my brother for even I've never had to ask him for anything. I remember I got jumped by Isaac and Sam. And I remember I was going off F this F that da 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 da. Now, if you know me, I don't cuss in front of my brother. I don't know what it is. Like, even though we're two even to this date, I don't like I don't cuss in front of him. It is what it is. But I remember going off. And I'm, oh, they jumped me. They did this. And I'm going off. And I remember my brother in the midst of my anger. Who are you talking to? And I was like, like, huh? Like, mind you, I just got jumped. But my brother was like, nah, watch your mouth. And I'm like, but I just got jumped. We're going to figure it out. But you... This ain't you. I was like, dang. I think about that all the time. Even in the midst of chaos, my brother's unconditional emotion was be who you supposed to be even in chaos. These are lessons. I didn't see it in real time. I didn't see it in real time. But now I, I think about these things often like, dang, like even then we like we was in middle school. I was in sixth grade. He was in eighth. Hey, what are you doing? No, no, no. And even though he like he literally was like, bro, watch your mouth. Like we'll figure that we'll figure out the, the, the fighting part, the fighting part. But. Nah, my brother used to cuss like a sailor. It didn't matter when we were younger. There's mom has a, a story where he was cussing and, and he got in trouble for it. But when we in when we in public, what are you doing? No, 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 no. I don't care what's going on. You don't do that. I think about that and it gives me that unconditional feeling of. All right, cool. I like. Who am I? Who am I? 
And once I figured out who I was and I, and I stripped down the ego again, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys this story at 38. These are lessons he taught me without even knowing when I'm in the sixth grade, when I'm in the 10th grade, when I'm in the 11th grade. And he teaches me, you know, he even though we haven't lived next to each other in almost a decade or more, certain things that we have conversations about that he has no idea. I'm listening to the conversation, but the points that he's making, I'm looking at, I'm looking beyond that point. Because I know you're, I know that you're talking to me today, but I got, I'm, I'm paying attention so that like now, 10 years from now, Five years from now, I would have caught the lesson you taught me that day and that lesson would have uh, 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 transformed into the lesson needed five years down the road. That's unconditional emotion. When you can have your mind clear enough to 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 have a message that that helps today and transcends uh, transcends to five years later, 10 years later, and it still have value. Stop crying and get a ticket. It still has value to me. That unconditional stance he took like, I know you love me. And bro, you know I love you. The solution here is simple. Get a ticket. It takes me back to, hey, okay, I get it. You're you're upset. You just got jumped. You just got bing bing. We're going to figure that part out. Calm yourself down, though. Because that's not what we do. I didn't understand it. Then I was hurt. How could you tell me that? How could you tell me to calm down after I just got molly whopped? Well, I didn't technically molly whopped because uh, my boy Matt, shout out to my bro. Um, but in the moment when my brother's telling me this, I'm embarrassed. Why are you chastising me uh, uh, right here? And it wasn't nobody there. It was just it was it was it was me, Miss Bland, him, my cousin Jay Matt. And in my mind at the time, I'm like, why are you chastising me? And I'm in such pain. And now today, now today, as I'm as I'm watching High on the Hog, as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking that message wasn't for that day. That message was unconditional and transcended to adult Kevin. It don't matter the chaos. It doesn't matter the, the trial or tribulation. What matters is that your mind is clear enough to handle what you need to handle right now. Our brother left the crying. I, like, I was crying hard. Hey, stop crying and get a ticket. That wasn't for that day. That message has helped me through so many things from the day he said it till today. Even in losing, losing my daughter, right? There is no solution for me to see my daughter again, my youngest daughter, Kennedy. But death. So am I going to try to hurt myself again to see my daughter in the spiritual or I'm going to keep it pushing 
because the reality is I cannot see her again. I can let her memory live on. So I have to remove my ego of I can't believe that I wasn't there throughout uh, the pregnancy. I wasn't there to, you know, coach my baby mama through this. I wasn't there to t- like I'm, I'm 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 removing the ego because it turned into I, 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 I. I am not God. I am not a doctor. I am not the creator of the universe. Whatever you believe, I am not those things. How dare I? Fought myself for the death of my child. How dare I? How dare I fought the mother of my child for the death of our baby? She is not God. She is not a doctor. She followed what they said. But it takes unconditional emotions to 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 remove. The, the the ego to hold yourself accountable were you like I like I said to to my baby mom you wasn't drinking you wasn't doing uh, crazy activity you did everything that they asked of you how dare you take fault she said well I should have I should have knew I should have this I said how how? How? If if there is no is there if there is no statistics telling you uh, if there's no statistics telling you how stillborns happen or the cause of stillborn if there's no, how can you blame yourself? It's the ego thing. We want to create the fault. We want to hold the fault because that's the only way we can control our emotions when they're not unconditional. I will hurt and I will mourn my baby's life the rest of my life. It hurts every single day. But the hurt is from not having her. Not that I feel that I caused something. It's unconditional. I love her even though I don't know her. It's unconditional. Because of the, the, the conditioning that, that I have. I've been through so much pain. I've lived through being shot at. I've lived through being stabbed. I lived through having fights. I lived through repos and, and losing houses. I lived through losing relationships with people who I, I thought that I would be with. For the, I, I, it's unconditional I have no ego no more. Not in the things that truly, not in the things that affect my real life. Yes, I have ego in regards to being handsome. I have ego in regards to wanting to lose weight. I have ego in, uh, involved uh, with what, how I want to dress. Yeah, those things. Though, but those, that's nothing. As a result, to things, things that. Uh, uh, make my life move on there I don't have no conditions I have no ego I'm accountable it hurts it hurts 
it hurts to look someone in, in their face in their face knowing that they hurt you and still say I love you. I got to get away from you, but I love you. It hurts to lose friends that you feel like you're going you're 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 going to be friends with your entire lifespan. It hurts. But I love you. I can't be around you because you're going to alter my peace. I think back to to when I was younger playing football. Right? I think about how we were just kids. We didn't like we was eating all this junk food, you know, running up and down the street, like playing football in the street on the gravel, uh like really some sandlot kids. And I remember when football season started. We were unconditioned. And in order for us to get our pads, we had to do hell week. And if I'm not mistaken, we had one hell week with just shorts and T-shirts. And then the, the second hell week was uh, you finally got your pads and you had to break your pads in and get used to them for that week. And I remember the conditioning hurting so bad. I mean, asthma attacks, uh, cramps, um, sweating, dehydrated, just, oh my God, like it felt like the worst thing ever. Like that hell week, it felt like life was going to be over. But that third week, that conditioning starts setting in. Not only physically, but mentally. It starts setting in. And then you don't remember the hell week. Because now you're going condition. See, back then they don't tell you, hey, I can condition you and I can get you right where you need to be. But it's going to hurt. And so that's what I say to you when when you're trying to learn how to 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 love unconditionally. You can get there, but it's going to hurt. Because you got to remove everybody and you got to start with yourself. Everything you've ever done to yourself, everything you've ever allowed someone to do to you, every time something happened and you just you you forgave a person and stayed around a person knowing that they was there to hurt you, knowing that they didn't mean any good to you. You have to deal with that. I don't care what you did to me that, that that's later. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to what you did to me later. I got to focus on what I did to myself. I got to focus on all the drinking. I got to focus on all the cussing. I got to uh, focus on all the women. I got to focus on having two baby mamas. I got to focus on losing cars. I got to focus on losing houses. I got to focus on why I'm sleeping on this person's couch. Well, like, I got to focus on all of that. Before I get to what anybody else did to me. And this is why unconditional love is so hard to achieve because everybody wants to stay. You want to have your emotion towards 
everybody else. To achieve unconditional love, you got to start with yourself. You got to start with every single thing that you've done to yourself to get you to the point of why you are feeling the way that you're feeling. I grew up a depressed child, but again, we don't know what depression is without studying. Our parents not worried about that. A lot of us are the way that we are because our parents' responses was the devil is a lie. With no action after that. Just pray about it. I don't fault you for that, but with prayer, it requires action. With meditation, it requires, like, it, 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 it's action. It doesn't matter what religion you come from. You can't just pray something away without any action. Back then, there were, no one knew what to do. Therapy wasn't a big thing back then, at least not in the black community. But the lessons I learned. Stop crying and get a ticket. Stop crying and get a ticket. That wasn't for that day. Fast forward. Stop crying and get your mind right. Stop crying and get your physical right. Stop crying. Get your relationships right. It wasn't for that day. Again, that was I was in the sixth grade and I've been out of high school now for 21 years. That lesson is every day for me. I had to stop crying and say, all right, what did you do? Even if after I'm, um, I'm going through what I did or what I didn't do, even if I didn't do anything, I'm still looking at how could you have handled that differently? Because, again, when you're in the midst of something nine times out of 10, yeah, it, it's it, it hurt right now. But what about the after effect? What about when 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 now you're calmed down and you're by yourself and now you have nothing but your thoughts? Did you handle it properly? I don't care what you did to me. I've achieved unconditional love because. And when I say I've achieved it, I've achieved the strength to give it and really not care what you think or do. That's on you. What you do on your own time has nothing to do with me. As long as our vibe is what it is and you don't disrespect me, it is it's what it is. It doesn't matter. But you have to strip that ego down first. So for me, my it started with, all right, I feel this way about my parents. My biological dad specifically. I had so much anger towards him. So much like when I tell you it was like bad, bad because I felt like he was away. Right. I'm not here to to defame my, my any of my parents, so I'm not going to go into detail, but people around me know what was going on. Right. And I hated him for that. I remember when I when I turned 25, right? I would like it's like it was bad. And I was like, why am I letting this situation and this person take all of my life? There's had there's there's been no amends to the situation that occurred as a child. But then I said, well, why are you so mad? 
And the reality of it is, is that even though my dad was the way that he was, even though my dad did what he did, I just wanted my dad. And because I'm so angry and so aggressive, I'm not getting that. So I have so much hate in my heart. So when I broke it down, yo, like to myself, like, what's your problem? Why you why are you letting this eat you up? Oh dang, I just want my dad. Not coach. Not city. Not 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 what he's doing in in everything for the city, but I want my dad. I want to be able to hug my dad, not my coach. I want my dad to be at my game, not my coach. And I never got that. At 25, I realized the anger and the hate was I just wanted my dad. I just wanted my I, I just wanted what I wanted. And I was able to let that go. I was like, all right, cool. He is who he is. And then later on, I, I started I, I started realizing, yo, what if what if he don't know how to be a dad in the sense that I need him to be? It's not his fault that I that I hold him to a standard that he doesn't know how to do. Yeah, there's certain things that should just be mandatory as my father, but you don't know how to do that. I had to strip away the eye. You are what you are. You were taught what you were taught. From what I understand, it was always them and my Nana. I don't know if they had a relationship with with their dad. When you going through it, you don't care about that. You don't think about that. But when you strip the eye away and start seeing like, all right, bet, cool. I don't know when the last time I talked to my dad, but I know that I have no malice, no hatred in my heart for him no more. Because I get it. I understand. I start thinking about. You may not know how to to and I'm speaking in general, no longer on, on, on my dad. You may not know how to love. That ain't nobody's fault. That's your fault. I don't care. I, it's your fault. I began to to understand like I could get there, but oh my God, it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad when you know you're right and you're willing to humble yourself just for peace. It hurts. But after a few times, you get to a place to where it's peace over everything. You got it. It hurts so bad when people are talking about you and talking down on you. It hurts. I'm telling you, it hurts. But once you find out who you are, you got it. I don't care what anyone says about me anymore. My flesh, like it it creates an anxiety like why, why, why? But on the inside, on the inside, I know who I am. 
I know what, 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 what the truth is. Not my truth, not their truth. I know what the truth is. Because I said to myself, you was wrong. You shouldn't have said that. If given the opportunity, you need to apologize. You was wrong. You shouldn't have did that. You should have tried to give some type of understanding before you reacted because I was a person that no matter what you like, like no matter what, if you did something to me, oh, I'm taking it over the top with pain. But then I lose because now I'm hurt. I didn't want to do that. In my mind, you did it to me. I'm going to do it to you. Instead of making you understand, yo, I'm hurt. Like this, this really bothered me. I've lost so much reacting to things. And after multiple times of making the same mistake with reacting to things unnecessarily, I began to want my peace over anything. I love you, period. It hurts, but you can obtain it. Your parents are who they are. They are using an outdated book to raise you. But once you understand that, you will be able to have conversations that with your parents that are not an argument and that are not a debate. I tell people all the time. As my mom, because I was raised by my mom and my stepdad. So as my parents who raised me as your son, I'm always going to have that certain fear and respect a child should have for the parent and not necessarily fear like I'm scared you're going to like abuse me. But there's just a certain level of respect that you just have for your parents in general because of the sacrifices they made to 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 raise you. Tell her all the time. Mother to son, my stepfather, well, my father, uh, father to son, I'm always going to have that emotion and fear. Right. That that level of respect. But when you are speaking to me as a parent to parent, all that goes out the window because I have a responsibility now. So if you telling me something that you taught me and in my heart of hearts, I feel like that was wrong. I'm going to tell you, don't tell my kids that. Don't teach my kids that because that's not how we roll. That's not how we get down. Like I said, I used to I used to whoop my kids ass because when we when we got out of line when we were little, we got a whooping. Why? Nobody can explain that. Why was that the thing? And then now that I'm older and I see all these documentaries and uh, well, that's just passed down for slavery to keep people in line. Nah, I don't. Uh, I'm cool on that. I don't. Nah. Like it took me a while because I'm telling you, I used to wear their ass out because I thought it was right. I thought, OK, this is how you this is how you're going to listen to me. But then I took the I out of it. I took the ego out of it. I can clobber you because I'm that much bigger than you. This is not discipline. This is bullying.
This is you telling me that if you make a mistake in life, I'm not going to tell you what the mistake is. I'm just going to beat your ass and beat it out of you. I don't want to do that. Do my kids get on my nerves today? Do they disobey today? Do they make mistakes today? Yeah. I learned this from my brother. They'll learn more and be annoyed by a lecture than any whooping, period. And they'll change from they'll, my kids. I don't know about your kids. My kids don't handle whoopings well. And it's been ages since I got a belt or a spoon and popped them. It's been ages. And I tell them, if you disrespect me, I'm going to return the disrespect. So however that disrespect is given, that's how you're going to get it. Otherwise, we can have a conversation. Otherwise, we could we could be because I'm raising I'm, I'm raising humans. I'm not raising kids. I'm teaching them real life things as 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 they're growing up. I can get you to unconditional love. I can get you to unconditional emotion, but it's going to hurt so Bad. Nobody wants to go through the pain. They just want the perfection. And it just doesn't work like that. You have to condition yourself. You have to build trust in yourself. You have to be accountable for yourself. You have to be accountable for the things you do with others. I don't care what they do. In order for you to get ultimate peace and unconditional love, you have to sit yourself down and strip the ego down. You have to look at the situations that you were feeling that affected you. You have to find your wrong. And if there was no wrong in you in that situation, remove yourself. Once you've done something to me, I'm going to tell you once. I'm going to tell, hey, this is how I feel about this. And I'm going to look and see how you respond. And not only how you respond, but how you uh, how you uh, uh, act days after. And if I don't see that you have taken heed to my words, I can't deal with you. I've learned the proper way to isolate for my peace. Not for nobody else. I don't care what you feel after I after I don't deal with you no more. Just know I love you, but just know that since you are not willing to respect my peace, I am not willing to respect you in my space. It doesn't change my love. I will do whatever you ask of me because you need it. And I told you that I loved you and I told you that we were friends and I told you that I'm like I'm not going to ever abandon my friends. But it's going to be up to you to reach out to me. It's going to be up to you to show me that you that you respect my space and my peace for me to be able to have a conversation with you. And I think we get lost. We, we, we get lost in in this. Oh, well, they're going to feel like this if I say this. But how are you going to feel? If I if I tell you something and it's not from a place of hate and it's not from a place of malice and annoyance and I'm telling you this is how I feel and you still disrespect that, that's on you. Get away from me. 
I don't care what you say about me. I don't. If you don't say it to me, I don't care what you say about me. And even if you say it to me, sometimes I don't. I, I know who I am. I know who I'm meant to be. And so I'm on this journey of of learning that. I'm on this journey of self-awareness. I'm on this journey of self-care. I'm on this journey of finding my peace and keeping my peace. And I can get you there, but it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And people don't want that hurt. People don't understand that it takes pain for progression like just think of think about life when everything is going good. You get in it and it's consistent. You get comfortable. You let your guard down. And then the hurt happens and boom, you're right there. You're back defending it. You're back rebuilding it. You're back like just trying to come up with solutions because that pain kicks you up to another level. And it's it's, it's necessary. I've seen so many relations. Oh, it's so boring. We don't do this. No, you're comfortable because there's so much peace or you're comfortable when it's so much chaos and then you get that inkling of peace and you're like, whoa, something's different. So then you self-destruct to get back to that place of 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 chaos. I remember I told my ex-wife when we were younger because she would always want to argue. I didn't understand why. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. So I'm like, fam, what what are you doing? Like, I'm not about to be arguing with you all day over nothing. It was like every other day we were arguing and then it clicked. Oh, I forgot you was in an abusive relationship before this. You were in a verbally abusive uh, uh, relationship. So this how you think love is. So I had to say, yo, I'm not him. I'm not about to argue with you every day. And it took some ignoring it took some me staying you know out of the house it took me some late nights of me just like chilling with the homies for her to realize oh wait he ain't gonna be around me if I'm arguing he ain't gonna be around me if I don't learn how to speak to him and we we don't we, we don't learn how to have regular conversations it took a while but then she understood You got to start holding yourself accountable. You got to start saying, why am I putting myself in that situation? Is this a is this a situation that is uh, necessary for my survival? You got to start looking at different things. But you got to start with yourself. Because you observing everything else. And not holding yourself accountable and not and and, and not uh, uh, taking steps to better who you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all you can't love nobody if you don't know how to love you. You there's no way that you're going to achieve unconditional love, whether it's from parent to kid, kid to parent, sibling to sibling, uh, relationships, uh, uh, romantic relationships, friendship relationships. There is no way you're going to be able to love and operate properly until you check yourself. Until you believe who you're supposed to be, that'd be the main problem. People don't believe it. They don't believe it. 
we want to do all these things and in, in, in everything because society has these set standards and social media has these set standards of this and that. We want to do everything to do that except for hold ourselves accountable. It's so many things that I see people do that I for sure know they're doing it because social media is saying it. They're not doing it because society says that's wrong. Until you are able to unplug yourself from the matrix and find out who you are. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. So I say to you this. If you are trying to get to a place of unconditional love, one. Strip your ego down. Look at your situations and hold yourself accountable for the things that you did. Don't allow what the other person did to you fall under your list of accountability because that's another thing that hinders us. We begin to, well, I said this and she said that and and he said this and she said that. They're accountable for their for their actions. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You hold yourself accountable for what you are accountable for and you start to build your place of peace brick by brick. Self-awareness, accountability, take the ego out, take the shame out, take the, the, the unwanted beliefs out, take what your mama said, what your daddy said, what your brother said. Take all of that out and you sit down and you figure out who you want to be. And the moment you figure out who you want to be and the moment you start realizing that you are valuable to life, the moment you start taking those steps to love you first, believe in you first, hold yourself accountable for your wrongs, take that ego away from all of of your dealings and make sure that you are at peace. You will never, you will never get the unconditional love that you are trying to get because you are unable to love yourself unconditionally. There's no pain or there's no perfection without pain. Understand that. Just understand that in order for you to get to the place you're trying to get through, pain and grind is necessary. The pressure is necessary to continue to push, to continue to uh, 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 make your make you evolve into who you're supposed to be at the time you're supposed to be. It. If things are too easy, you get settled. If things are too hard, you give up. No matter the struggle, no matter the journey. You keep pressing, you keep moving forward. No matter the darkness, you get to the light because it'll all make sense in the end. 